The Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. And we are off and running on this Saturday, December 21st. Good morning. Happy holidays to you and yours. This is The Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. Lots to do over these next two hours. We take you up until 9 o'clock. But first and foremost, let's start with truly from the bottom of my heart. I hope you and your family have a wonderful holiday season. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Enjoy this time. When you have kids, you know, they reach that certain age and you just realize how fast time flies by. And they had the uh, ESPN Christmas party this week. So you're, you're talking to people. With my shift, I don't generally see, so it's good to catch up with people, and they have far younger kids than I do. And it's almost like you're you're forced to say it, right? Like to anyone who has kids of a certain age, hey, enjoy it because it flies by, and nobody really understands what you're saying at the time. And they won't understand it just like I didn't understand it at the time either. But for everyone out there, hopefully this uh, holiday season is a special one for you. And uh, hopefully you get everything you ask for, right? All right, so that's out of the way. It is the Gordon Damer Show. We have lots of stuff to do. Obviously, the number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. Among the topics we have to hit on, Garrett Cole week, right? Garrett Cole gets introduced by the Yankees. Lots of takes away from that. Some of them, what you would expect after a, uh, a press conference with a person like Garrett Cole who is prepared and mature and all those type of things. And then some of the takes... We're just ridiculous. So we'll get into that. Week 16, of course, t- talking about things that fly by, right? It's week 16 of the NFL regular season already. Uh, so we have to get into that. But so lots to do. But before we start at now, let's take a little bit and we'll look back. We'll look forward. But let's look at the now right now. And the now right now, at least last night for me, was the Knicks. The Knicks were back in action facing off against the Heat in Miami. And, you know, Feeling good about themselves, or at least Nick fans were feeling good about themselves. As good as you can feel when your record is what it is. Certainly feeling better than where they were at. Interim coach Mike Miller on board after the uh, firing of David Fisdale, obviously, had won three of his last four games heading into last night. And not just won three of four, but the team simply looked, and maybe this is a compliment of faint praise, they just looked competent. Right, which you would not say that's generally not a compliment to a, uh, a team or a coach. Hey, your team looks competent, but that is a huge step in the right direction from where the Knicks have been. They looked competitive. Now, nobody had any dreams. You know what? Check that. It's the Knicks and Knicks fans. No one should have had any dreams in their head that, oh, you know what? This is this means that now we're going to suddenly hit our stride. The playoffs are not. No, stop it. That's all silly talk. But it's just simply nice to be able to turn on the TV and when you you start watching in the third quarter, it's not a blowout. It's not things that happen in the game, a calling of a timeout, and it seems like coming out of that timeout, nobody knows what the heck they're doing. So last night, the Knicks went out, step up in class, got drilled by the Heat. Uh, It was like a -a dunk-a-thon last night, and when it was not dunks, it was threes. And uh, the Knicks compensated by not uh, stopping the dunks, not stopping the threes, by not hitting any threes of their own. And that's not really a recipe. You would think that's not a good recipe, and it turned out last night, no, it was not a good recipe. So it was a rough night, and to be expected to, to a certain extent. But, you know, there's been a lot of focus on Mike Miller taking over for David Fisdale. And I'll say, I'm rooting for Mike Miller. If you're a Knicks fan, you got to root for Mike Miller. 
not just because he's the coach of the team, but I mean, he's a guy that that's a guy you can pull for, right? A guy who never played in the league, but has gotten to where he is through hard work. How can you not root for a guy like that? And there has been a lot of praise for him. To me, it's not really so much what Mike Miller has done as much as it was just how bad of a job David Fisdale was doing before he was let go. And the Knicks have lots of issues this year, right? Talent being the number one. But let's not make it out like David Fisdale did a good job. Now, I'm not saying he's 100% to blame for the problems of the team, but if you're coming up with a list of problems on the team, he was on the list. But yet you hear continually from other coaches just what a good job David, uh, what a good coach David Fisdale is. And Eric Spolstra is another guy, and I get it. They have a relationship. He's going to back up his guy. But, they, I mean, these coaches should know it's really hard to take anything they say seriously when they make it out like David Fisdale was not part of the problem. I think you can support your friend and support a former coach that you worked with without making it seem like he is blameless in the situation. Now, I think the Knicks roster is obviously not good. But Fisdale was getting about as little as anyone could out of it. They won four of 22 games. They were worse at this point this year than he was at this point last year. And last year, it certainly seemed like, maybe they weren't, I don't know, but it certainly seemed like they were intentionally losing games. Now, the funny thing is that at least some of those same coaches have come out and told you what a good job Mike Miller is doing. And I think he has done a good job so far. We'll see. But I would just simply say to them, well, which one is it? Because it certainly just seems like whatever coach's name gets brought up, you're just going to say, yeah, that guy's great. He's the best. He's awesome. Kind of takes it. Which is it? Now, I'm not ready to make any judgments on Mike Miller other than to say that he's done a better job so far than David Fisdale. Keep in mind, last year, though, Fisdale and the Knicks, who seemed like they were intentionally losing games, won three in a row. They beat Boston, New Orleans, and Memphis. Problem is, for Fisdale, he went out after that and his teams won, uh, figured out the math, won 14 of the next 83. You don't have to be into the advanced analytics to know that 14 wins in 83 games is not very good. So let's hopefully, you know, last night was a step up in class and maybe it's just the one thing. And and uh, I don't want the Knicks at this point with what they're looking at to to and I don't think I don't have to get my hopes up that all of a sudden things are going to turn around. I think talent is still the number one issue surrounding the Knicks, at least in, in the immediate right now. And that's one that should be able to be fixed if you're back in the lottery again and maybe they get as lucky or maybe luckier than they did last year. But to hear continually about what a great job David Fisdale was doing, I'm sorry. You I, I, you have no credibility if you're telling me that David Fisdale did a good job while he was with the Knicks. Now, the other move that happened this week that kind of – I guess it kind of flew under the radar a little bit, maybe because of all the issues surrounding uh, you know, the larger issues, the more out-in-front issues surrounding the team. But the Knicks hired, brought in David Blatt to be a consultant. And you want to talk about guys who do have an actual gripe. Like people are painting it like David Fisdale has some sort of gripe. When David Blatt was fired, the Cavaliers were 30-11. and 11. They had the best record in the conference, 
And oh yeah, we're coming off an appearance in the NBA Finals the year before. If you want a guy who's got a gripe, that's a guy who's got a gripe. So David Blatt was a candidate for the last time that the Knicks job was open. And he said in the statement that he is retired from coaching because he's suffering from MS. So uh, hopefully he, his battle with that is uh, is going well. And it's, it's good to see a qualified guy in that role. And for whatever criticism you can have about David Blatt, uh, I think he's quali- he's clearly qualified. And especially scouting overseas, that's a guy you would like to have on board. This would be right in his wheelhouse. And if the Knicks are going to have another high pick, I don't know how high it's going to be. We'll We'll see. But anybody who can give us more information, who is qualified in their job, that should be a good thing. But it's not all good, of course, because the Knicks need to get through this season. And and there are plenty of times where teams are lost and the plan and the, to move forward is a difficult one to, to plot. This one is not. Assuming things go as it certainly seems like things are going to go. Unless something completely shocking comes out of the blue, like the Knicks turn things around in a way that has them threatening for even a playoff spot, which seems ludicrous. I agree. Once this season is over, I wouldn't make any other moves. Let the people in charge right now do – this is their baby. But then once the season is over, it's clear what the path forward has to be, and that would be – a house cleaning. I've likened it to a silkwood shower. They got a clean house at a level that you never really see. And the fact that David Blatt is has been well documented, a college friend of Steve Mills, and I'm not saying he's not qualified. I'm not saying he's just bringing in a buddy to kind of strengthen his case. No, he's he's qualified. But the the Knicks' success, that whatever success they have, what worries me is that this is just another move that strengthens Steve Mills's grasp on the Knicks. And I think it's been pretty well documented. I was willing to give him a chance last offseason. It did not go according to his plan. So I think that the problem with the Knicks right now, as you're getting through a season, you have all these games left and you want to see some success, right? I said, I want to see it look more competent. But the problem is that you know that any success that they have, it reduces the chance that anything ends up happening in the offseason, and the moves that need to happen, happen. And that the plan, I said, it should be simple. Let Steve Mills bring in whoever he wants, and nobody should be fired at, during the season. Let it play out. Let's see how it goes. And if it does turn around, and I'm not even saying turn around in terms of wins and losses, but if you get to almost the end of the season and R.J. Barrett looks like he's coming on like gangbusters and they figured out Mitchell Robinson and, and Neil Aquina and, and Knox show signs of development, well, then maybe I change my mind. But I think that there's more than enough evidence at this point that uh, things ne- you need to start over and start over again, which is not the position you were hoping to be in after all the optimism of the offseason last year. And you know what? Maybe things will actually – and maybe this is just a pipe dream. Maybe this is me just looking for grasping at straws and looking for silver linings that just do not exist. But you know, there's been plenty of talk this year about how bad the NBA ratings are and – They have been bad. You look at all the different metrics, and I'm not a ratings expert by any stretch of the imagination, and all the different reasons given, and and maybe they're all true. Maybe the truth lies somewhere in the middle. I don't know. But maybe, just maybe, this can work in the Knicks' favor. Maybe the league, with all these rating issues, can maybe point the Knicks in the right direction because it would be in the league's best interest to finally 
get the team in the number one market pointed in the right direction. In the last few years, that conversation would come up. Uh, you know, it would be better for the league if uh, if the Knicks were actually competitive and, and looking like a, a, a good franchise and a model franchise. And people would laugh, oh, what do they need? They have this team, they have the Warriors, they have, they have LeBron, they have all these stars. Well, you know what? Now that the ratings are, are tanking the way they are, maybe the NBA can, uh, you know, kind of point one of their organizations in the right direction. Can't hurt. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. So we got to get to the Garrett Cole press conference from the other day. we got Week 16 in the NFL, the Jets and Steelers. Did you hear what Ed Reed had to say yesterday? Reed was at uh, Jets practice. And I guess maybe we can play a little game of, gee, I wonder who he was talking about. If you've never played, gee, I wonder who he was talking about. It's not a very complex game. At least I don't think so. We don't have... The other weird thing about the game is we don't actually have the answer. He didn't give us the answers. But I think if we play along together, I think we could come up with the answers. And we have the Giants of Washington to talk. I get the same sense of enthusiasm uh, like when I tell my kids we're going to the dentist. We will talk about the Giants in Washington. Lots to do just getting started on this Saturday morning. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Before we get to the calls, I noticed this week. I Look, I get it. This is a time of year, right? We're right in the holiday seasons and happy holidays to all of you out there. But it's also a time where New Year's is right around the corner. 2020 is just about here. And I mean, think about that. There was a, I mean, that was the year when you were a kid. Oh, imagine what life will be like in 2020. We'll have flying cars and we'll have all these. I don't know if you've seen how people drive on the roads. Never mind if imagine them up in the sky, but. I get that it's a perfect time to kind of look back and not just a year in review, but since it's 2019 going to 2020, it's a decade in review, right? The big stories and that's the type of stuff that I love. I love that kind of thing, right? Which teams had the biggest upset, all these type of things. Although, did we really need a Knicks team of the decade? Was anyone sitting around saying, you know what? You know what I'm really interested in? New Year's is almost here. Who were the best players who played for the Knicks over these last 10 years? I don't think anybody needed that. I think, really, if you want to be helpful, you needed to get something like uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, where you could come in and they just zap your memory, and the last 10 years would just whoop right out the door. If you want to be helpful, rather than... I heard people discussing whether or not Jeremy Lin should have been on the all-decade team. Do you know how many games Jeremy Lin played for the Knicks? If I told you Jeremy Lin played 50 games for the Knicks, would you say higher or lower? It's lower. 35 games. He started 25. And that's a guy people are debating whether or not he should be on the all-decade team. If that's the debate you're having, it's not a question of whether or not he should be on the team. You shouldn't be having the conversation about an all-decade team. You don't need to debate it at that point. You can all just say, you know what? We wasted a lot of time here over the last decade. It doesn't – we had Carmelo. We had Stoudemire for a little while. You had the one year where you won 54 games and it all went to pot. We don't really need to focus on the rest of what happened over the last decade. 
I don't think. I don't think you need that. All right, one 800 espn is the phone number. Let's go out to the phones this morning, and it is Spike in New Jersey who's first up. Spike, what's going on, my man? Happy Good holidays. morning, all the accolades, and happy wishes to you and your family. And uh, may it be a better year for everybody next year. Now, my under-over on the Knicks wins is uh, part three. I'm going to bet it on FanDuel. Uh, can you help me out with this a little right, bit? go ahead. Give it okay. To the amount of times you'll see Phil Swift in the next six hours. Right. That's or, the, uh, the, uh, the, the flex tape and the flex seal guy. Right. Yes. right great, great commercials. Or, or how many plate appearances Joanna Cespedes will have in April. Yeah, well, no, he's he's planning on having a big year, so I'm sure teams are going to be lining up to uh, land Ioannis Cespedes now that his contract has been reduced. Yeah, it's really it's really a pathetic with the Knicks. And my observation, you know, what, uh, as you see, you say, you got to be what do you call it? Delusional. You have to be delusional to be a Knicks fan. Yep. I, I came into last night's game and I said, look, played pretty good under this guy. Let's see them cut off that three point shot, and they did a hell of a job cutting off that three point shot. They, yeah. They, <laughs> yeah. They, they close out like a laundry line lady in the 50s. I'm yeah. telling you, it is pathetic. And this guy, well, you got to give him some games, but he has no talent there. I only keep Barrett and Mitchell Robinson. They could have the rest of them. I'm sure you'd agree. Yeah, I mean, look, to me, the, the biggest issue surrounding the team, well, the biggest issue surrounding the team is the people who are running the team, right? I mean, that's the real biggest issue, but there's not, I don't want them to do anything with that just yet. I, I want to w- let this guy, let these people have their time, let them run. There's not anybody else that's going to come in here and save the situation right now, allow the season to play out. I know it's a long season, but let it play out. Let it all work itself out. And then when you get into the off season, okay, fine. Now it's time to go find somebody, assuming it goes as it does. I don't... I don't think you have to be delusional to be a Nick fan. I think everybody that's a basketball fan pretty much is a Nick fan. What's delusional is to think every single time that it's far more positive than it is. I mean, I have been having this conversation since the first time I was here at the station. I was at the station when it started. I left. I came back. And it's it's still the same conversation. The names are different. The coaches are different. The players are different. But it's the same conversation. No, I think this guy, I think that... Instead of, uh, it used to be, uh, Ronaldo Balkman, and now it's, uh, Frank Nilakina. It's just the name, the conversations are still the same. And what you have to have is you have to have a fundamental house cleaning. I went into last offseason. If you listened, you know, I was optimistic. Certainly seemed like things were pointing in the right direction. You're going to have a high pick. You had all these free agents. You had the cap space available. And how did it go? Well, it went about as well as the season has gone so far. And the problem that you have, if you're a fan, and I get it, I'm there too. When you watch the games, you want, you don't want to watch the team get destroyed, but you have to, if you're going to have any basis on planet Earth, you have to look at it and realize that whatever success they have, it's going to reduce the chances that what is necessary will happen. Because think of the case that's being made behind the scenes, and we can all say about, you know, Steve Mills and the job that he's done, behind the scenes, man, he's Red Auerbach. I mean, he is, he's as good at painting a, I guess a word picture as possible because he's still in the job. So if it does get through this year and the Knicks show any marginal growth, and let's be honest, from where they were, it's not going to be hard to show some marginal growth. They were four and 22. So yeah, I'd like to see Mike, I'm rooting for Mike Miller. But I realize that if he starts to go out there and change things and, and get results, 
Well, that's going to not just strengthen his position. It's going to strengthen the position of the people above him, too. So it's a kind of a tough uh, thing, to, uh, tough spot to be in. Because I think that the number – if I could give one thing that I'd say, all right, I can do this and this, this will impact it, it would be going out. And, and maybe the league, as I said, maybe the league needs to get involved. Maybe the, the ratings have gotten so bad that the league will get involved because it would be nice to have the marquee team in the number one market at least seem functional. So, yeah, I want to see you know the young guys play better and – that's R.J. Barrett, it's Mitchell Robinson, it's, it's Kevin Knox. Yeah, that's great. But just realize that if you get too much of it, you know what's going to end up happening. And, and, and the case will be easier to be made because whoever it is, Mills, Perry, whoever, can just simply say, well, look where we were. Yeah, we only won 25 games or 23 games, but we won only 17 last year and we got off to as bad a start as we did. See, it was Fisdale that was the problem. I don't think Fisdale was good. I do think he was part of the problem, but that's not the only one. The Knicks have a long list of problems, and uh, they, need a, they need a long list of things to do in the offseason when it comes around. All right, 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Coming up, we'll get into the football a little bit. It's week 16. Some games that are of interest, including today, right? You get the Bills. Man, does everybody love the Bills this week? Everybody's on the Bills band. That has filled up quickly. You might be able to get still seats, but you can't get two together. It's like the movie theater before back in the day where you could pick it. Has anybody been to a movie theater now that has like the prepaid seating? And then you get people who come in who, you know, I love them, but, uh, you know, the older people who are not used to it. And they just think that it's still in the old days that they can just come in and sit wherever they – Yeah, I it's see a that all disaster. the time. They just come in, plop themselves down, and then the person who actually has those seats, oh, I didn't realize. Then they got to stand up and then the whole big thing. Well, that's like the uh, Bills bandwagon. Make sure you have your seats before you get on board because if you don't have seats already, based on this week and the things you hear. So is Omar recruiting? I don't know. Maybe. It might be. I would think that if you if you showed up at the bandwagon and Omar, you saw Omar there, you'd say, you know what? I got to get another bandwagon. Get me off of this thing as fast. What was it? The Jetsons? Get me off of this thing. It is the Gordon Dammer Show. So we'll get into the football coming up. Week 16, the Jets, the Steelers, what I'm actually looking – I actually am kind of looking forward to that game. I think that is an interesting game. Certainly much more (laughs) – maybe it's like uh, Mike Miller and David Fisdale. It's certainly more interesting than Giants-Washington. And there's one storyline that I've heard from a lot of Giant fans this week that you you have no business making. So we'll get into that next. It's the Gordon Dammer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. There were some that were like, you know, they, they, it wasn't fair, it wasn't right. I think what you can say for sure is that anybody who may have suggested that he should have been the one that would maybe moved up into the front office, considering how that time went with Jacksonville. Oh, my God. Wow, that is real. I mean, you saw the stories that come out this week, and, and we'll get into those in a little bit. But uh, the, the 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 main point that I have: Giants face Washington. Well, I'm not going to spend much time on that game because I'm not going to spend much time <laughs> watching that game. I'm going to be out and fair. But you know, it's funny because I've talked to a lot of Giant fans this week, and it seems like one of the the main react. You know, if you're a Giant fan, if you're a Washington fan. If you're a Bengals fan, if you're a Dolphin fan, those four teams face each other this week. And it's kind of fascinating from the point of view of the draft and what's going to happen. It certainly seems like the Bengals will pick one. But then two, three, and four with Chase Young possibly sitting out there. But 
Giant fans have given, at least the ones that I've heard, this whole poor us routine. You know, watch what's going to happen. We're now going to beat Washington, and then we're going to be picking fourth. We won't get Chase Young. Poor us. Giant fans, newsflash. Don't cut the line. You don't get to cut the line. You just got here. Some of us have been waiting on line for eternity. You have led a charmed life. I get it. Not recently. I get that it's been bad recently. It's been bad this year. It was bad last year. It might be bad next year. It might not be ending anytime soon. But this whole poor us routine, get lost. You have no, what is it, kit coming? You have no gripe to make. You have led, unless you're like seven years old, and who listens to a seven-year-old? Get out of here, kid. You have no complaints. Yes, your team's bad. Every team is bad at some time. You don't get to have miracle runs every single year through the play. It doesn't happen. So lose the poor us routine. You watch. It also has no basis in fact. When was the last time the Giants got screwed out of something? Seriously. Things always work out for the Giants. Don't worry. They'll be fine. They'll get Chase Young. Assuming he's in the draft. The Giant. I mean, you have some goal if you're a Giant fan. Oh, poor. Uh, we won't get him. Shut up. You know how long I've been sitting here? During the week, I was thinking about a Ronde Gatson. That's how long it's been for Dolphin fans. A Ronde Gatson hasn't played in probably 15 years. I'm sitting around thinking about Aronde Gatson's great catches. So shut up, Giant fans. You got nothing to complain about. Uh, Jets and Steelers. That actually is kind of an interesting game, not just from the uh, draft uh, point of view. Uh, and Steelers, obviously, with a lot more to play for, right? They, they're looking to go to the playoffs and all this thing. But I think that there's something here for the Jets, too. And I'm not really a big believer in carryover from one year to the next. But endings do matter. I think how things end does impact how you look back on it, right? You read a great book or you watch a TV show, and if they they stick the landing, you feel like, all right, that was – and even if it was a little rocky, or in the Jets' case, a lot rocky, up until that, if you end it well, you'll look back on it being far more positive than what it actually was. And just the, the reverse is true, right? If, the, if it's a good show up until uh, the ending, Game of Thrones is one that comes to mind, and the ending stinks – you can't go back and watch that show again without knowing in your mind, yeah, but the ending's going to stink. I'm not going to do that. So if the Jets go out and play the Steelers, I'm not saying that the fan base is suddenly going to love Adam Gase, but I think it will make you feel a little bit more positive and maybe delude you into a, a, a greater sense of positivity moving forward. Because I do think the Jets should be in the game. I'm not saying they got to go out and win the game. Steelers obviously have a lot more to play for in that they have something to play for. But the Steelers are on the road. They're playing the third-string quarterback. The Jets are healthier than they've been in a while. They have generally played well against the good teams, right? The Raiders looked like they were good when they played them. Cowboys were certainly better than a lot of teams that the Jets lost to. So if they can go out here and put up a representative effort, I think that that does bode well for how you will feel going into the offseason. You have the better quarterback in the game. There's no question about that. And again, I'm not saying you have to win. But you can't just go out there and not show up. The Jets have had plenty of games like that this year, and this cannot be one of them. 
Now, I'm not convinced, and maybe this will play into how you feel about the game. I'm not convinced 100% that Adam Gase is definitely going to be back. I know that that's what ownership has said, and maybe that does turn out to be true, especially if the team goes out there and plays well here. They'll point to that and say, see, this is signs that things are turning around. But, you know, it was interesting yesterday, and this got a lot of play on Twitter. I've not really seen it anywhere else, like in terms of sports center or anything else. Maybe it is there. I'm sure it probably is. It's, it, it's a fascinating thing. Ed Reed was at Jets practice, I think it was yesterday, and he put up an Instagram video and was kind of talking vaguely about things in the NFL. I'm assuming things in the NFL. I guess maybe he's talking about things in life as well, about people who have jobs who don't deserve jobs. So let's play a round of, gee, I wonder who he's talking about with Ed Reed. Here is Ed Reed talking at Jets practice yesterday. Let me just get straight to it since I got a little time. I'm here at work right now, and I realize in a lot of jobs across this world, across this country, a lot of people get jobs and not even qualified to be in a position that they're in. Just because you get a job and get a title doesn't mean you're qualified to do that job. Something to think about, right? Everybody's not qualified, man. Just like some people don't understand how to approach you. Or some people don't even know how to handle their position. You know, the gift that they've been given, the talent. Some people just let it fade. Just know, not everybody's qualified. No picks. All right, this is Ed Reed. And I'll say, first off, Ed Reed could talk to... I would listen to him tell me about indoor heating systems. I mean, that guy just has a chill vibe. Here's here's the thing about lawnmowers. I could listen to that guy tell me about anything, even if I really wasn't all in that interested in the topic. I don't believe... Let's narrow it down. I don't believe he was talking about uh, David Fisdale, right? That would seem kind of out of left field. Why would he be talking about... Guys who don't deserve their positions but have the title. Hmm, I, I, I don't know. I, I wonder who he, he's talking about. I guess we'll never really know. We can kind of suppose, right? We can kind of guess. Seems like a weird thing to bring up in the moment there, right? He, he felt the need. He had to get this off his chest so much that he's standing on the practice field filming this video. So it's obviously something that is under his skin and, and, and uh, on his mind. I, 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 wonder, I wonder who he could possibly be talking about. The second point on the Jets, which is not in any way associated with that video. That was one topic, and this is going to be something completely different. It's still involving the Jets, but it, the people involved are complete. As Ed Reed, this is one that uh, is involving somebody else. It's not associated with whoever he was talking about. Whether it's 100% on him, 0%, somewhere in between, it's not a good look, and we brought this up during the week, and Manish Mehta of the Daily News brought this up during the week, that there are – as we move along into the season, there are seemingly more and more examples of guys who have excelled once they have gotten away from Adam Gase. 
Now, Manish did a great job in the, in the Daily News this week of detailing. And then they're, they're guys that have been brought up in other conversations, right? The way Tannehill has played this year now that he's healthy again. Devontae uh, Parker with Miami is having a career year after constantly being in and out of the doghouse. Uh, Kenyon Drake is another one who has uh, certainly excelled. But one that nobody has really brought up and Manish did not bring up is uh, Jordan Phillips. Jordan Phillips is a defensive tackle. He's now with the Buffalo Bills. Now, he's not an offensive guy, right? You're going to focus, I think, mostly on the offense because that's where Gase is. That's his specialty. But he's not the offensive coordinator. He's the head coach. So he's kind of responsible for all the players. And Phillips was a second-round pick. You know, showed some flashes, but the the knock on him coming out of college was that he would show you flashes, but it would always be – it would tempt you, but you'd never get it on a consistent basis. And in Miami, another guy, much like Devontae Parker, constantly in and out of the doghouse, questions of whether or not he was getting a move, questions about his, uh, his intensity, about his work ethic, and he was cut as to be made – I think to be kind of made an example of. He got cut midway through his third year. Now, keep in mind, this was a guy who was a second-round pick, and it wasn't like you allowed him to walk after his rookie deal was up. You cut him through uh, midway through about year three, put on waivers, and Buffalo picked him up, and this year he has nine and a half sacks. Now, I'm not telling you he's an all-pro. I'm sure he still has flaws in his game. I'm sure at times he still has lulls in his game. But you do have to kind of question why was Buffalo? What was different about Buffalo that they were able to reach him and Gase in his time in Miami was not? And it also makes you wonder because Phillips was one of the probably the most vocal and there's been now quite a few in their unhappiness dealing with Adam Gase. Now, maybe maybe that move was the thing, maybe cutting him did send him the message finally. It finally got through, and there was no other way the team would be ever able to get through to him. But in the NFL, where you know finding talent, drafting talent, acquiring talent is hard enough, this idea that you can have it still where, well, you know, if you're not on board, we're going to get rid of you. Yeah, I guess that's true in some cases, but you can't have it all the time. It's hard enough to find talent. You have to be able to take the talent, and sure, maybe once in a while that's the case. But you have to be able to reach players. And I think Jordan Phillips, along with Tannehill, along with Parker, along with Kenyon Drake, some other ones as well, are examples where Gase was not able to get out of them, clearly, what other teams and other coaches were. And that's not exactly a great look. 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number. 1-800-919-3776. Coming up, we'll get more into uh, the NFL. The Tom Coughlin thing is something I want to touch on. Also, Bill Barnwell. Uh, ESPN.com had a, uh, a, a article about possible jobs in the NFL that will be open this year, ranking them. Jets and Giant fans, you're not gonna, <laughs> you're not gonna exactly love where he has them on the list. But I think that he is actually sleeping on one, which I, to me, if it is a, an opening, it's clearly the number one opening. So we'll get to that coming up too. It's the Gordon Damer Show. We take you up until nine o'clock. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, we were uh, talking a lot about the football, right? The Giants and uh, Washington on Sunday. And uh, I-, I expect the Giants will lose. I think that any Giant fan who's all worked up about not getting the second pick, I think you're, you're pretty in good shape there. I think the Dolphins are going to win. Uh, the Bengals have no interest in winning. I, I don't think that uh, the Dolphins will end up losing that game. And... Um, 
I think that the Giants will get locked in. You know, if they had not won last week, kind of gotten that out of the way and had lost all these games, you get Eli in the nice send-off. And it is amazing, man. I know some people have started to bring this up, and I brought it up during the week. Daniel Jones had this high ankle sprain. Who knows? He might not play again all year. Eli has this storybook send-off. The team finally wins a game since September. And miraculously, he's healed. Wow. The, the marvels of modern medicine. He's ready to go. He's back in there. Don't want to miss out on that second pick. So we talked on the Giants. We've talked on the Jets and how I do think that this is an important game. And if you are a Jet fan who does not want Adam Gase brought back or is still kind of holding out hope, I don't think that that is completely a pipe dream. I don't think, I think if the Jets were to go out on Sunday and lay an egg, like a, like an egg, like they've done several times, like a, like a Bengals performance. I, I don't think that that's out of the road. You remember endings. Endings are more important than the middle. If you land the ending, it's far better than if you don't. If you all of a sudden have a great story up until the ending and then you botch the ending, well, the, the other parts of the story don't matter anymore. The most important thing is the ending. So if the Jets can go out here and have a good ending, maybe you feel a little bit better about the direction of the team and a big offseason and all those things. But I did want to touch on this one article from Bill Barnwell, ESPN.com, where he kind of lists the teams that could be looking for coaches. And he has them at Atlanta, Carolina, Cleveland, Dallas, Detroit, Jacksonville, Giants, Jets, Washington. Now, I don't think all those teams clearly are going to make changes. But Washington is one, and he ranks them, and ranks them properly. He didn't start with one. He started with nine. That's the way. Good job out of him. And he always gives the, he gives the biggest strength and he gives the biggest weakness. To tell you how far, why, you could change all the coaches in every team in the NFL. Like there's some new rule that you ha- everybody has to change coaches. I think clearly Washington would still be last, no matter how many teams. He has as their biggest strength, the checks clear. That's, that's the positive. That's the, what's the one thing we can hang our hat on? And I would agree with him. Like when they had Urban Meyer show up at the game, was that last week? Was that two weeks? That was last week. Unless you're a coach, and I get it, there's not that many of these jobs, unless you're, you really have no other shot of getting a head coaching job, why would you ever take that job? That's the job for the desperate who, you know what, I'm, when's the next chance I'm going to have to do this? Of course I'll do it. But anybody who has a, a, a legit chance of getting another job you would take the other job he also has their biggest weakness not really a surprise ownership ownership so that's the washington is number nine he then has the new york giants at number eight not exactly a great sign there he has their biggest strength being the market and their biggest weakness being lack of talent i would say that the biggest strength though is the loyalty of ownership now, I know it not, it's not really played out here the last top couple, right? Uh, McAdoo was out the door very quickly. Certainly seems like Shermer's going to be out the door after two years. But I think that has more to do with just how bad, especially these last two years have been. I mean, how can you not make a change? And it's a possibility. I think you would move the Giants up in terms of head coaching vacancy if it does turn out. And we don't really know. It seems like Gettleman's going to be back. But if he's not back, I would certainly move that 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 job up far higher than eighth 
They don't. Have, I don't know that they have a, 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 a ton of talent, but they're you know they're a bad team. But I do think that they have some talent, and they've been very banged up this year. But if you believe in the quarterback and your quarterback's already in place, you have an ownership group that you can win with. It's not like some of these other jobs. It's not like Washington where it's like a disaster that nobody's ever going to win there. We've seen the Giants win. So I would say that the biggest strength of the Giants is the loyalty of ownership and not recent, but they have had success there. It's not a situation that you can't win with. And I think that Washington with the current structure is a job that you can't win with. So I think the Giants should be higher up than number eight. They have He has the, the Jets at number seven, promising quarterback being the biggest strength. I would say that's true. Biggest weakness being lack of talent. Uh, that's uh, that one there. He uh, kind of goes into depth on it uh, about how you know just how many things have gone wrong. Speaking of those crosstown rivals, Jets ownership has insisted it won't fire Adam Gase after one season in charge, given that this is the same organization that let General Manager Mike McCagnin spend millions in free agency and run the 2019 draft before firing in May. You'll forgive me if I take what they say publicly with a grain of salt. And I would agree with that. I would absolutely agree with that. So they have the Jets at number seven. I did find it interesting. They have Jaguars at six. Biggest strength, draft capital. Ooh, there's the first mention of draft capital for this season. And then the biggest weakness is missing the quarterback, which is a pretty big miss there. I found it interesting that he had the Atlanta Falcons at number three. To me, out of these jobs, the ones that he's mentioned, Dallas is in there. Who's number two again? Let me see. Two is Carolina. He has Atlanta as number three. I think Atlanta's number one. Now, I'm not saying it's a perfect job. They do apparently have uh, lots of problems in terms of the salary cap. Salary cap you can work with. A bad ownership group, you can't. If the owner is just out of his mind, there's not really much you can do to convince him otherwise. If you have... Would you rather have a tough salary cap situation walking in the door, knowing that you know it, walking in the door, or would you rather be missing the quarterback? I'd rather have to deal with the salary cap situation. In Atlanta, you have an owner who I know he hasn't won, but he seems like a pretty good owner. 14 years, he's had, excuse me, four coaches in 17 seasons. That shows you he has some loyalty. He's not just one of these guys who flies by the seat of his pants. Seems like a good owner. You walk in the door, you have Matt Ryan as your quarterback. Now he's not. 27 anymore. He's not 20. He's 34 years old. But Aaron Rodgers is 36. So it's not like you don't have a few more years. Quarterback will not be your issue there, barring some uh, catastrophic injury. So I would look at Atlanta as being the out of all these jobs that are open or look like they're going to be open. And that certainly seems like one. That is one that I think is a lot better. One that I would say is uh, not as good. He has the Lions at number four. I have lived almost 50 years. The Lions have never been good, and the ownership has been the same. So they don't get the rap of bad ownership like Washington does, but there has to be something that they're doing there that's wrong. I mean, literally, have you ever seen the Lions be good? What was the stat we had last year? That they haven't won a playoff game or they have one playoff win since like 1950? And the ownership group has been the same, so I think you'd have to say that it's kind of on ownership. 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number. Let's get some phone calls in here. Uh, Ira is in Staten Island. Ira, what's going on, my man? Hey, nothing much. Happy holidays same and all you. the best to you. Yes, same to you. You know, the big big game tomorrow, you know, for, for Gase and for the Jets, but I'm going to look more towards, I want to see what Donald can do against a top defense like that. You know, you got... The, yep, they get after the quarterback. You got to get after the quarterback. Yeah, I don't want T.J. Watt to wreck the game. 
But I look at this game. It's a home game. They had a couple of days extra to prepare. And the way I look at it is, yeah, Pittsburgh's fighting for their life for the playoffs. But they're not going to run the ball against the Jets. And the Jets are going to show up. The only no-show pretty much was in Cincinnati. And if you want to look at the Dolphin game down in Miami. But I think they're going to – it's the last home game. Uh, If they play a control game and they cut down on their mistakes, and Donald doesn't make that big mistake, I think there's going to be a a field goal game, a 17-13, 20-17 type of game, 17-14. And I think the Jets could win. I just can't see Hodges with his arm putting up points against the Jets unless the Jets turn the ball over and give them a short field to work with. I, I agree with all those things you said. I agree with the you know the, the fact that the Jets defense should be able to do things against Hodges. I agree with they should, you know final home game, an important game for Gase. The problem is is that every time I start to think, you know what, maybe the Jets. Anytime I have any expectations for the Jets is when they disappoint me. And I could absolutely see on Monday when I'm filling in for Rick, Chris, and Dave, saying to myself, how did you know after betting the game and betting the Jets, saying how did I ever think that the Jets were going to be able, you know, the Steelers are going to the playoffs, they, they, they're a well-run organization. I could see a situation where I look back and I'm kicking myself for thinking the Jets are going to come up with a big performance. Well, ho- hopefully I call you Monday morning and, and hopefully uh, your feelings will be different. My gut will be right. Um, it, it'll play out. All I want, the Bills have to beat the Patriots today because I want nothing more than to go up to Buffalo next weekend. And ruin and them like they get- did for you a couple of years ago. Oh, could you imagine if the Jets go up to Buffalo, they beat the Bills, and your Dolphins happen to knock off the Patriots? No, I don't. No, Iris, be quiet. I was wishing you happy holidays. No, I don't want the Dolphins winning any more games. No. God, no. And forget about my feelings about the Jets. I just want my FanDuel account to be feeling better about the Jets. Because that FanDuel account has been taking it on the chin as a result of picking the Jets all these games. Oh, my God. It's like the end of the marathon when the guy's legs are not working anymore. That's my FanDuel account with these Jets. If I would have just stayed away from the Jets this year, I'd be uh, I'd be like Scrooge McDuck. It's rough, rough go with these Jets. Brian Jack is in, strokes in the coin. Yeah, uh, Brian is in Houston. Brian, what's going on, my man? Hey guys, I live in Soho, but uh, you know I have to come home to see the parents every now and then. You got okay, to, you know I got you. Not, they won't they won't leave you anything after you. you know. Right, you got to <laughs> anyway. show up. Right. Uh, yeah, listen, I was listening to the show earlier, and you said um, something you caught my uh, ear. I've never called into your show, but I'm always on the DPHO and Michael K. Okay. You said from the bottom, you said from the bottom of your heart, uh, Merry Christmas. I thought that was really, really nice. Oh, so, okay. So, yeah, Merry Christmas back to you. Same the only same. thing about Christmas, the only thing about Christmas, I have a, a nightmare that, you know, Santa Claus will come down, and he's not wearing nothing except a DPHO jersey. <laughs> All right. I don't know why anyway. that would be the thing you would go with, but okay. <laughs> anyway, my my comment, real quick, and you can kick this around. I don't mean to put words in anybody's mouth, but um, on when Cole was um, had a press conference the other day with the Yankees, he actually said something. He and uh, like I said, uh, I, I can't quote him word by word, but he's this is what they said. They were talking. He was talking about his run in the World Series, and he said he loved everything. And he made a comment. He said. You know, they shut the door on us. And then he said, he goes, well, they shut the door on us, but I think this door was already shut anyway. Now, was that a shot at the organization or was that a shot because he didn't, you know, play? And I just want to put that out there and see what you You know what, Brian? We'll get into that. We have not touched on Garrett Cole yet. I have the sound here. We'll let you hear it. You know, you didn't give the exact quote. We'll let you hear what the actual quote was. I did not take that as a shot at 
the Astros organization. But you know what? We'll get into that and all the things from the Garrett Cole press conference coming up. It's the Gordon Damer Show. We take you up until 9 o'clock. It is 98.7 FM ESPN, New York. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Why were people standing outside waiting to buy tickets? What was the point of that? Now, back in the day, you did have to do that. I did that for Empire. I think it was Empire Strikes Back. So that made sense back then. I didn't have a lot going on. And if it would, if the technology was still the same, but I'm assuming if you're a fan of sci-fi, you would be a fan of technology. It's the closest thing you can have to sci-fi. And you, you have your phone. It, it's in your pocket. It's right there for you. So why I, – I don't understand people's choices sometimes. They really uh, – they bother me. Hey, it's the Gordon Damer Show. It's 98.7 FM ESPN New York. We've touched on what, – what are the things that we have solved so far today? A, the Knicks do not need an all-decade team. That We have gotten that one right off the bat. You have to be really, really rich to love the sound of uh, rain on leaves. I think we have solved that one, right? The normal person, you and I, do we know what rain on leaves? We can imagine, but a very specific rain on leaves, uh, that is one. Also, the Bills bandwagon is filling up, but I don't believe that Ed Reed is on the Adam Gase bandwagon. So those are the things we've solved, but we've not yet touched on the big thing that happened this week, and that was... The Yankees finally introducing Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole got his hair cut. He got his shave. He showed up at the stadium. And really, I think most people are all in agreement, right? Could not have been more impressive. Measured and, and, and relaxed and uh, prepared and mature. All the things that you saw in that press conference on, I think it was Wednesday. And in the offseason, if you're a fan of the team, you don't want – I mean, we don't know yet, we think, but you – I think a lot of times you want your team to make moves that you not only think are, are good moves, but you, you want to you want to have something to get excited about in the offseason. And the fact that I can tell you that there are 53 days until pitchers and catchers report for the Yankees is a sign that the Garrett Cole signing is something that gets you excited if you're a Yankee fan. Uh, and over the last decade, and this was one of my main takeaways during the week, and I think it still remains true, there has been the evolution of this term Winning the press conference, right? I remember being on the air the day that Dave Gettleman had his press conference with the Giants. And one of the big takeaways was, well, he won the press conference. (laughs) I've not won a whole lot since then. But he did win the press conference that day. Winning the press conference is not a thing. You know what is a thing? Losing the press conference. That's the thing. That's a far better indicator of whether or not somebody is going to be successful. I've seen plenty of press conferences where everything's fantastic, everybody's happy, it's all smiles, and and it doesn't really impact anything. Losing the press conference, I think, is a far greater indicator. Remember when John Idzik had that press conference? I think it was like mid-season. And it certainly seemed like, up until that point, that Rex was going to be out after the year, but that Idzik would then have a chance to build the team. And then he had that press conference that day, and he lost the press conference. And one, maybe it was when the press conference was going on, but certainly once it was over, you said to yourself, well, it's not just going to be Rex that's going to be out. It's going to be Idzik as well. And it was. And there's been other examples of it. We don't know how these are going to turn out just yet, but, uh, well, I think Ben McAdoo lost the press conference. He went out and won 11 games, 
But it certainly was not a great press conference when he showed up looking like the uh, lead singer of Talking Heads. Adam Gase certainly did not, uh, you know, if you're if you're talking about something other than what the person is saying, I don't think that that's a uh, a great indicator of, of winning the press conference. The thing I found myself, I guess, focusing on because there was really nothing you could complain about, and that's sometimes what we focus on with Garrett Cole. I guess you can kind of touch on the 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 uh, House Steinbrenner comments about needing to win championships, right? Not just winning one championship and then the conversation you have about does is there only a, a good signing if Garrett Cole goes out and wins multiple championships? Is one enough? Does he just have to pitch like an ace? I think as long as he wins one in the in the nine years, you, you won't care. Uh, I don't remember anybody complaining. They did later, but once uh, the Yankees won that first championship, if I told you that A.J. Burnett it's not as expensive as Garrett Cole. But if you went back and I said, okay, 2009, signing A.J. Burnett means you will definitely win a title in 2009, but there's going to be a lot of years where he's not going to perform up to the contract, I still think you would take that. Now, Cole's contract, far more significant, far more money, all those things. But I think if he wins one title, you would sign for that right now. But the thing I found myself focusing on was more of the silly stuff that came away from the press conference afterwards. A, people's reaction to the Nike swoosh on the jersey, which it was all negative, but it ranged from, yeah, I'm not crazy about it, to this, I hate this with the passion of a thousand white hot suns. You probably right now have a Nike swoosh somewhere on your body. How can you be so outraged that it's on the shirt when you're wearing it on your shoes? What, how is that? You, you come in contact with that loco uh, every single day. So the fact that it's on the front of the jersey, I think it's going to be like in the NBA advertising, right? When the NBA first started having advertisements on the jerseys, people made it out like, oh, my God, this is out. It's getting like European soccer. And now you watch a game, you don't even notice it. And I think that the, the Nike swoosh on the jersey is going to be one of those things. And then the other thing that people spend a lot of time focusing on, and I guess I did too. I got sucked into it, although I think it's just trolling. People bringing up the sign that he brought, right? The sign that you've seen before about him when he was a Yankee fan during 2001. And the he pulls out the sign from under the podium and people saying, well, that's not the same sign. He made up a fake sign. I mean, you know how crazy he would have to be? To come up with a fake sign and make a fake sign that doesn't look like the original sign. Like he screwed up the sign by getting the wrong color. You sound, you sound crazy if you think that that's the case. And then people were, well, why would he keep the sign? Go through, I would just say, go through your attic. Go through your garage. Go through your basement if you keep stuff in your basement. I'm guessing you have a thousand things there that you don't need anymore. But for some reason, you've held on to. I have thousands of CDs. Don't have a CD player. But for some reason, I'm holding on to these CDs. I have VCR tapes. I have the 1983 draft on a VCR tape. And I'll be damned if I'm going to throw that one away. Don't have a VCR, but who knows? Who knows what technology will pop up here in the next few years that I can watch the Dolphins draft Dan Marino one more time. I have a notebook. We just moved a couple of years ago. I have a notebook from the nineteen my nineteen ninety three fantasy football season that for some reason I'm keeping. My wife kept trying to move it into the junk pile, but I kept saving it. 
I kept saving it. So if you need any stat lines from Andre Risen or uh, Reggie Langhorn, let me know. Let me know. But the things that people focus on, and I have to take it as a sign that that's how great of a move Garrett Cole is, that you can't find any legitimate criticisms, so you have to find all these other little silly things to do, to deal with. And now for the Yankees, it's you're pumped up, right? As they said, what was it, 53 days until pitchers and catchers, and now you just wonder, what else do they got up their sleeve? Do they have something else up their sleeve? Is this it? Or is there going to be another move here or two? I think you probably have to think that there's going to be at least another move of, of some kind. But is it going to be another pump you up kind of move? Is it going to be a Josh Hader's name who has been out there and has been bantied around? Is it going to be, you've heard some reports that the Yankees might get in on uh, Lindor with the Indians. I would simply say, you know what would get me pumped up right now? And it doesn't seem like it has any chance of happening. People keep telling you, the insiders, uh, Jack Curry and, and uh, Joel Sherman and they keep telling you it's not going to happen. And it, Judging by their track record, it probably won't. But I'd love to see them just bring back Dylan Batances. Assuming he's healthy, that would be a great move. Adding him to this bullpen. And it's kind of forgot. Maybe it's forgotten now. And it does feel like he was always somebody who got criticized more than was warranted. But when you when Dylan Batances is on, man, he's just got as good a stuff as any. And it's shocking to me. Maybe there is a health thing that other teams know, and, and as a fan, you just can't know, and he certainly was banged up last year. And But it seems like for a guy who's not looking to cash in, he's looking for a one-year deal, it seems like, that the Yankees wouldn't have more interest in him than that. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN.